All right, welcome to the latest edition of WARP in Cincinnati. Pauline and Anderson, Trent Rosecrans of The Athletic, are here with you. Happy opening day week to you, Trent. Yeah, it's it's opening day week. It's that opening day week. Good. It's good. Uh-huh. It's certainly better than uh, where we've been. Oh. There, There is no doubt about yes. that. Actual, like, real games that count. Important game going to be played this week. Multiple. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll take that. I will take that. I, you know, we don't ask for much anymore. <laughs> no, we don't. Uh, Reds open against the Tigers this weekend. Opening day is uh, Friday night, 6 o'clock. It will be Sonny Gray versus Matthew Boyd. Sonny Gray, you know, he's got to be riding high coming off his summer series MVP. Yeah, I I did not. I mean, <laughs> did you all vote? respect. I did vote. I, you know, <laughs> I take this seriously. Yeah. Um, all respect to, to Sonny Gray and his four hitless innings, um, which, you know, that's impressive. Except, you know, that came in the third game when it was already decided. Right. I voted for Matt Davidson. He was kind of that, that tone setter. You know, he had two homers in the first game for the team that was wearing green. Uh, so that, to me, it was kind of like Eric Davis game one of the 1990 yeah. World Series, where you just, you you announce your presence with authority, as they say. And so, yeah, so that was where my vote was. I could see the Tucker Barnhart. Honestly, if Tucker then was a turncoat and managed the non-green team, Versus Kirk Casale, who managed the green team uh, on on Sunday. So Kirk Casale caught Sonny Gray. Um, so yeah, I, I if, if, if Tucker's team had won and made it 2-1, he then had a home run. He had uh, a good day, two good days of the plate, including a home run. Um, I would have voted for Tucker Barnhart, but because he collapsed as the manager. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Uh, it, it 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 went back to Matt Davidson. Do you um, get a sense this could hurt Clubhouse morale, the dissension amongst the MVP vote and uh, award? You know, I mean, there's got to be. I, I imagine it was the talk of the of the clubhouse as everyone scooted see, out. I'm not I'm not sure if it was the MVP or the betrayal by Tucker Barnhart. Yeah, and his his squad. But it Although was kind of he weird. did like redeem himself, he... calling them Tuck's claws, which all White Claws fans out there, I think he's he gained a new, uh, certainly a new contingent of fans out there. Yes, um, I know you now have uh, the leader of the Tucker Barnhart fan club. Um, <laughs> You're a White Claw. Look, uh, um, if he if he'd like, have been Tuck's Black Cherry Claws, it would have been really speaking my language. <laughs> Because that's really that's really the clause that I'm all about. So I I didn't want to. I'm glad he didn't get that specific. But let's just say I think he would have won over a, a few more fans if he would have gone that route. But that that can be a defi- divisive thing. I mean, you just go broad. Yeah, that's fair. Claw. You know, you know, you 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 stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. <laughs> oh lord i'm sorry i i'm i i'm just saying it's feel free to to take a stand out there you know do we not learn anything from hamilton i haven't seen it no oh, well then i guess you didn't you're uh, yeah, you don't don't you know don't be aaron burr that's all i'll say don't be aaron burr gotcha. yeah that's for our hamilton people out there uh you didn't come here for hamilton talk at least i would hope not um we have a lot to get yeah, to work. We'd have to have Zach Buchanan for that. Yeah, he'll talk to you about Hamilton. That's, yeah, all day long. <laughs> um, so I, I do want to talk a little bit about the roster, um, a little bit about the the pitching staff and the starting staff and the mix with the bullpen and what that's going to look like in some of these, particularly these early games. Uh, you wrote a little bit about how the starters have looked. Um, and dive a little bit into the central a little bit, which is just – you know, obviously the, the focus of this whole season as we kind of take a broader view as well as to what, you know, what, what the outlook is here, what the reality is. There's a lot of people, a lot of people, like Reds are just this little dark horse kind of getting more buzz than maybe I think as the season has gotten closer, the more their buzz has sort of grown, it has, it has seemed to me. But maybe I'm just in a, a different yeah, I see chamber. them everywhere is like that of the – like they've 
you know how when something like, oh, wow, watch out for this team. They're the surprise. They're underrated. They become overrated. It's almost to that point. Right. Where I'm hearing too many people pick them. Yeah, not, you don't want not that. Not that that's – yeah, it just seems to be a lot. But, and you know what? We I go back to back when the world was a different place. Uh, and I was talking to Dick Williams out in Arizona, and it, there was an embracing of that. Like that, that was the whole theme of the ent- all of spring training was, yeah, people, please pick us. We believe in that. Like it is, a, there hasn't been an embracing of that from day one, and that seems to still be the case now. So uh, I, I don't necessarily, and maybe for some teams that might be a bad thing, but I think for this team, um, they all sort of feel that same way. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody's shying from those expectations. Those expectations are front and center. Um, so, I, 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 yeah. I just think that, uh, yeah, this team's ready to win. They don't care about those expectations, and they're not trying to sneak up on anybody. They're just going to try to win. You mentioned the word ready, and... It stood out to me because I it was something I took from David Bell this weekend talking about how, you know, how ready he felt that they were for this, you know, and that the run up has been really productive for them. I love I, I kind of love the concept of them feeling like they're getting more out of these exhibition games against themselves than they would out of regular spring training of because every inning is more purposeful. There's not as much wasted as there is in actual spring training with the, the length of those games. And, and it does seem to have been pretty beneficial for them as a team, the way that it has played out. Yeah. I don't think it's hurt them. Like it's hurt some other teams. They've come back healthy. A Eugenio Suarez, Nixon Zell from day one. Now, you know, how much of that is benefit versus, you know, having 162 games, you can deal with that a little bit better than 60. So um, they feel good about the rotation. Those guys have been going deep, looking good. Um, you know, it's always one of those things, though, like where you balance is like, oh, are the hitters looking bad or are the pitchers looking good or vice versa? Um, but but I, th- I think everybody feels ready, confident, and um, as good as they are. I mean, that's what David Bell said. He was surprised at how, how ready that team looked and that maybe there were some advantages to not playing uh, the 87 spring cactus league games that they usually do because those get uh, pretty tiresome and yeah. pretty like, you know, uh, as long as the season is the spring training for years, everybody's been saying it's too long. It's kind of interesting because for, for so long people are like, I think we just need three weeks. Well, yeah. Um, they've got it. We'll see. Yeah. I will be interested next spring to see what guys say uh, to the answer of how long should spring training be. <laughs> uh, fingers crossed there is a spring training and that we are talking to individuals in person and not over zoom um you know for many reasons the the most hopefully there's we all feel safe enough for other stuff i feel like you know i, I talked about this on keith law's podcast yesterday it's like i feel like every story every podcast everything every tweet everything should just have a blanket yeah this all sucks. I get it. I'm not even sure we should be here, but <laughs> yeah. and then like everything is everything written like everything uh, after the but is implied, and just yeah. like it's a blanket implication. I think you is, should put that in your bio. Your that should be your Twitter bio. Just put that sentence pretty, in there. Yeah, my my Twitter bio is pretty chock full. Uh, maybe it's time to get change. Well, just out. a temporary change. To change it in to say every tweet is preceded by this blanket statement, just so you know that you people understand that you uh, yes. feel that way. Uh, I I wanted to um, discuss because you wrote about the pitchers and how what they're st- through the eyes of the catchers, which is fun to do because the catchers are some of the best interviews on the team. It's just you're you're already going there, Trent. <laughs> I, we, well, the, the joke of like, last season about how you would constantly be going to those guys and have to almost apologize and you've already wait you're already firing those bullets oh uh, <laughs> no i haven't fired all my bullets but yeah no i live there i live yeah. with the catchers um i find catchers to be the most fascinating i mean there's a reason that you know for another story i talked to a former catcher who was a manager and um yeah, I have other catching stories in the hopper. Yes. <laughs> I, I farmed out other um, 
other catching uh, personalities to interview for that story because I love catching and catchers. Uh, yeah. Well, they just give you a different perspective. They give they're they're the offensive linemen of of baseball. I mean, anybody who's covered football knows that you just camp out in the offensive line area yes. because those guys get it. They know, and it's one of those things that like is kind of counterintuitive, but they see everything. They know everything. Everything starts with them. It starts with the center. It starts with the catcher. Um, it, and people say the catchers are the quarterbacks, and I kind of think they're the centers. Yeah, yeah, I, I would, I would agree with that. Well, this, but it, they're interesting, you know, their take on this rotation. And, and I'm curious. I mean, how how built up are these guys, and and what do you think David Bell is going to do as far as the first? Let's let's just say the first two runs through this rotation. Um, you know, it, uh, max six innings on anybody. I mean, is that pretty much going to max out, or do you feel like? I mean, there's such pressure to win a game if Sonny Gray is pitching Friday like he pitched in the summer series like how how far would you be willing to push him before you go into the bullpen you know I, I, probably somewhere like less innings more pitches yeah because you probably feel that you have enough coverage inning wise also remember the three batter minimum rule that comes into this so you don't need I mean you're not going to be mixing and matching as much you could go straight five innings from Sonny Gray. And I, I think, I think he would, could go six, but you know, and, and depending on his pitch count even more, but you could go straight from him, five innings to then say, Oh, um, Amir Garrett to, um, Pedro Strope to Michael Lorenzen to, to Rysel Iglesias in any of order, any of the guys that you trust the most, you can, you can, you know, four to five guys, you can do that. Robert Stevenson in there. I mean, you could even go four and go. Um, so it'll be interesting. Now you also have to worry about the next day. Is that guy going to be ready? Is that going to be stretched? Um, but that's why you're going to have at least seven, if not eight guys in the bullpen, plus the two long guys. So it's, I, I think everybody's going to be feeling it out as they go along. Um, but what they do feel that they have in um, in Sonny Gray, Luis Castillo, um, Trevor Bauer, Wade Miley, and, and Anthony DiSimpani is guys who can give you a quality five every five days. Yeah. And, and at the very least, and, and probably even more. Now, um, you know, Castillo can sometimes get a little pitchy is that the word um because like i always think of that like wordy you know sometimes we get a little wordy in our writing and castillo can get a little pitchy and so he'll uh he'll throw more pitches than maybe uh you would like in an inning or to a batter so he gets a little pitchy and so that pitch count can get up i think i just coined that term yeah I like I, that I, I get it i get Pitchiness. it i like it yeah yeah he's a little pitchy uh he can get a little pitchy so maybe you're you know you 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 go sunny a little bit longer than you might um, if he's feeling it and uh, know that the next day that, that he's going to feel a little, that, that maybe Castillo's a little pitchy. Yeah. So that you, you have those, but Mally and Sims give you so much because you feel like those guys can come in and at the very least give you two really good innings. Now, like Mally the other day, you know, he hit a guy, walked a guy and gave up a home run. But other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, I mean, he struck out <laughs> the other ones and he struck out like seven batters and three or seven or eight batters and three innings. Um, he's got great stuff. And I think maybe even in that role, that two, that two to three or four inning guy, I mean, he can be lights out. I think Sims too. It's going to be interesting to see. And much of that is going to be developed based on the score. Well, I mean, how is there's got to be a need um, to keep those guys uh, regular, right? I mean, yes. To, but specifically those two, as we know, I mean, as you know, I mean, in the course of a long season, these long men can get lost if your starters are going on a good run. They can kind of fall out because you, it is so tempting. And, they, and there's so much pressure to win these games where you're going to be like, ah, let's just – Sunny right into the big three or four at the end and just and try to and you can lose those guys but their importance 
you know, is gonna is is gonna be a big deal. As, I mean, as they, they talk, how, how much have you heard, or do you get a sense of their importance that that those guys in particular have mentioned, or that David or anybody else has maybe said that that, that they're gonna find, make sure they're finding ways to get those guys in the ro- in a rotation of sorts. Yeah, I mean, it's I don't think there's any um, any coincidence that 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 Mally's been pitching every five days the same day that Wade Miley does and and not to say that they don't have that confidence in Wade Miley but it's just like if you can come in it's it's almost like a one-two punch you have Miley the soft tossing lefty relatively soft tossing I mean look at us we both have baseballs in our hands yes. <laughs> um uh you know you have Miley doing that and then you come in with the hammer that is that is Tyler Malley. I mean, you know, he's 97, 98 right side. And if, especially if he's coming in for three innings, if you do three and three, that can be something. And I don't think it's a coincidence um, that he is lined up and been pitching the same days and stretched out as Wade Miley. I think that's something they might do. And you have teams that maybe stack up a, a you know a righty heavy lineup against against Wade Miley and that and then all of a sudden you bring in that and they have to switch what they're doing up maybe they make some changes and then all of a sudden what do you do you come in with Amir Garrett uh, or whoever you know and you can you can sort of play them off of it. that it's a, it's a fantastic idea to play those guys Derek Johnson's done that with Wade Miley uh, against the Dodgers <laughs> you know um, yeah in 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 the NLCS a couple of years ago when he was with the Brewers so uh, Wade Miley you remember he was the opener. And then, then uh, they came in with the rest of their whole their whole bullpen. I mean, I think he only threw like a inning or maybe even less um, in there. I was at that game, but I don't remember it all that well. Uh, but it's it's going to be really particularly early on. But I do think, and and correct me if I'm wrong, over the course of I the will. six. Yeah, I know you will. That's why I, I shouldn't have to say that. That's like that's my blanket statement. I know Trent will correct me if I'm wrong, but I but, mean over the course of a season, I mean these starters are going to be looked as the heartbeat. Like that is what is going to carry this team. So I, mm-hmm. well, as much as we talked last year in particular about David Bell and really the entire baseball movement towards less from the starters and more from the pen. When you have this rotation, I think as it goes on, you would assume you're, you're, you are going to see, I I would be stunned if the Reds were near the top of the league in bullpen usage. I mean, that would seem to be a crazy. I mean, that would not make any sense to me in in my, when you look at what they have barring injuries. Yeah. And I think that is kind of the plan and you will see, I think the Reds will look more traditional than other teams because this team was built for 2020 for this rotation, for having Gray, Castillo, Bauer, and then the other guys. Um, I, I think I think we're not giving Anthony DiScofani enough credit, um, but but I, th- that's what this team was built for, and a short series too. And, and and that's where you start in the playoff series to have those first three. Well, this is kind of like an ongoing playoff series. So I think they will, I wouldn't be surprised if them and the Cardinals, I mean, those, those teams with great rotations um, are at the top of usage for starters. And then there are a lot of other teams. There's like a big gap. There's no middle. Um, and you'll see a lot of other teams experimenting and doing other things. I just, with the personnel that the Reds have, I don't see them doing that. Not that they're, it's not a, it's not a, um, uh, philosophical thing. I mean, Derek Johnson is the guy who, <laughs> um, kind of was known for this in Milwaukee. And, um, but it's because he didn't have the horses that he has now. Yeah. Um, as, as on the rest of the mo- moving into kind of, you know, the, the pen, we, we mentioned it uh, briefly, but I mean, Really important. We spent a lot of time last year, understandably, and I and I've heard much more mention of it, even in this summer camp and and back in the spring about Rizal Iglesias and 
the need to hammer down these one-run games and that such a big problem for this team last year. And Iglesias, you can't get – I mean, we can talk about the illegitimacy of win-loss records, but when you're a guy pitching at the end and you have that many losses like he had last year, it's a problem. I mean, how how tight will the the leash be, you know, on Iglesias? We mentioned, you know, he has more comfort. Pitching with the lead in the ninth inning, David Bell's talked openly about this, um, and, and I think they want to try to feel like they're playing to his strengths. But you know, the need to make sure they're finding ways to hammer down these close wins, whether and not just Iglesias, other guys in the back of the bullpen too. But um, you know, where, how set do you feel like they are in the idea of most games will end with Iglesias throwing the final out? I, I think, I, don't, I mean, I think that's the intention. And again, everything can change. The difference is last year, David Bell came in with the idea of you get the most important outs and no matter where they fall. And that is always, that's been something in the last couple of years that everybody says, hallelujah, that's what you do, whether they're the eighth or ninth. And you'll hear the, the people who say the closer is the closer is the closer saying, wait, you can't do that. That doesn't work right. Um, you have to have the mentality or whatever this we kind of saw where Rysel Iglesias really kind of bought into the latter. And so I think it's not as much, you know, when he is in the ninth and when he can just get ready for the ninth, how he does, he was much better. Um, so that is going to be the difference. I think it's it's a mixture of Iglesias adapting and David Bell adapting because was one of those things that in theory, yes, but in practice, the way Iglesias pitched backed up the, the closer is the closer is the closer and comes in in the ninth and does these things. And maybe there's another guy who isn't that way. You could have another pitcher who, who can get through that barrier, but I don't know that it's Rysel Iglesias. So I, 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 I think the biggest difference in Rysel Iglesias is going to be when he is entered in the game. And, yeah. But that's maybe what you were grooming um, Michael Lorenzen for and and Amir Garrett and those guys. And then, you know, Pedro Strope is a guy who's done it. Um, the Cubs questioned whether he could still do it, um, but he is there for a reason and, and will be. Look, you got you have to find a way to get the best out of your players, and if your players have a a time or a way that they are used that they feel like brings out the best in their abilities, then you then you do it. And if that's what it is for Rysel Iglesias, then so be it. Because if it's not about, it's about as many pitchers as you can get to pitch at the top of their level. And if that, then it means using him in the ninth and it means using him in the ninth. And you're right. I mean, you have enough confidence in the other guys. I mean, it's not like you feel like there's a significant fall off where like they've had in some years where you feel like you've got two guys maybe, and that's it. And then, and it's a deep fall off. I feel like if, if you feel like you've got depth of bullpen and you've got enough people back there, you know, just put people in the positions that they're comfortable in. And most, a lot of them, Lorenzen, you name it, they're they're comfortable everywhere. I mean, Lorenzen's comfortable in center field. So, but, I mean, you get a guy like that, find him, find his spot, find out how and when he pitches well, and use him that way. I got no problem with, use, with using that method for sure, if that's where Rysel Iglesias feels like he's best because it's it's there is a lot so much mental to it so I, I'm I'm all about I'm all about that and we'll see but we'll see how it plays out again it's like anything else I mean there's going to be a lot of eyes on him to see if he can make his numbers match his stuff and that's sort of kind of been the roller coaster that we've been on with him for a while yeah and I mean he's still you know he, he's when he's on he's as good as it gets it's just a question of, of making sure he's there. Yep. Uh, can I ask you to make the lineup? You can ask. Would you? It's not going to be binding. Um, <laughs> uh, but like, which day do you want? Against That's the left-hander. Things. Left-handed against starter. Against the left-hander. Oh, hey, imagine that. That's opening day. Opening day. Opening day lineup. Uh, I mean, I, I have one in front of me. Ooh. Um, so, I do, mean. Do you? Okay, 
So here's a, and, and this is going to be circuitous, and you're going to hear me thinking out loud, um, which is kind of what I do a lot, and I just ramble. So I think two, three, four, five are pretty set. Yeah. That's going to be Vado, Suarez, back to the lefty Mustakis, to Castellanos. Yep. And to me, that's kind of this is where every lineup starts. Every day, you know, is the, yeah. Your your everyday lineup starts right there. So, versus the lefty, you're going to do, let's see, six, seven, eight, nine, and one. I'm going to work through this kind of how it did in my head. I think um, you're probably going to have your catcher batting ninth or eighth. Um, eighth and ninth are going to be Freddie Galvis and the catcher, right? Yep. So, let's say Galvis is um, eight. He's a switch hitter. Doesn't really matter. Uh, left-hander on the mound especially with Kirk Casale, I mean, with Sonny Gray starting that day as well. Not that they're going to do that matchup every time, but we did see Kirk Casale switch teams in the big summer series to catch Sonny Gray. So much to glean from the summer series. So much to glean. Now, I will say that was the decision of manager Kirk Casale to catch Sonny Gray. <laughs> uh, he was managing this the squad that day, the, the turnips. And... Um, for what i don't know but he will probably be that catcher he's a right-handed hitter um and again tucker barnhart's given up switch hitting he's just hitting from the left side um so to me that's where we are now the question is what we have left let's see we have our third baseman our first baseman our second baseman um our shortstop so we have the entire infield plus the catcher castellanos is he in the outfield or is he DHing? Um, yeah, he's not a guy who wants to DH, and they are confident in his his play in the outfield, especially at Great American Ballpark. I mean, that's that's a big part of this as well. This is a Great American Ballpark, so I'm putting him in right field. Okay, so what do we have left? We have one, six, and seven, and DH and outfield. This is really, most of the lineups these days uh, for this team is going to come down to DH and outfield, right? Yeah. Uh, left-hander on the mound. You know who kills left-handers? Phil that Irvin, my boy! Be Phil Irvin. <laughs> now, does Phil Irvin lead off, or do we have Nick Senzel leading off? I think Nick Senzel leads off. He's kind of been that guy. Um, he is your everyday... Um, center fielder as you go so you put him in there now what we then have are the outfielders aristides aquino possibly we still don't know whether he's on the squad or not um jesse winker shogo akiyama and am i missing anybody well you'd get into what mark payton yeah you get i think you get into the back of that room yeah 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 so so really does akiyama play or does Phil, or does um, Aquino? Aquino, or, yeah. Now and think, against a lefty, you would think Aquino would have your best shot if that if he's going to play. I mean, if he's going to play, but I don't know that he's going to be more than a bench player. I don't know that he's in this rotation as much, at least to start. Akiyama is a guy. When you look at his splits in Japan, they're pretty even. So he's a guy who's going to get that 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 push nearly every every day um it's and he wasn't going to play every day when they didn't have the dh now that they have the dh i think he plays a lot he's a guy who's played every game almost every inning for the last five years he's a guy who likes to play and gets in that rhythm um so i'm going to go the left-handed akiyama after castellanos playing in left field that keeps our left right left right going and that leaves number seven, our guy, Phil Irvin, in as the DH. Uh, so there. Okay. I know I threw a lot of things in there. Let's go. I have Nick Senzel leading off. Joey Votto batting second. Uh, Senzel playing center. Uh, Joey Votto at first, batting second. Eugenio Suarez playing third, batting third. Mike Moustakis in the fourth spot of the lineup, also number four position-wise, second base. Uh, Castellanos batting fifth as your right fielder. Shogo Akiyama in left field, where he's played much of the um, 
preseason, uh, batting sixth. Phil Irvin, um, seventh is the DH. Freddie Galvis is your shortstop, batting eighth. And Kirk Casale catching, batting ninth. I, Trent, you made the lineup. I did. did should, and, like, dare, dare I make you go through that again and just say, okay, now do right-handers. <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, it's not that hard against a right-hander. Right. Do we want to do this? Go. Is, is, let's 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 go is in. Mike still yawning. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> Two, three, four, five. All right. So Vado, Suarez. I'm writing this down. Right. Sh- Shogo would lead off there. in this scenario. Yeah. Yeah. Shogo. Um. One. Vado two. Suarez three. Mustakas four. Cassiano's five. So now we have six, seven, eight, nine. Except eight, nine. We have Galvis. Barnhart. Barnhart. Um, so that leaves us where Sinzel hits, and I'm going to put Jesse Winker six because he yep. mashes against um, right-handed pitching, and Nick Sinzel seventh. Yep. So there you go: Shogo, Vado, Suarez, Mustakas, um, Castellanos, Winker, Sinzel, Galvis, and Barnhart. That's there it my is. Right. That's that's my against right-handed lineup. Don't let anybody tell you you don't make the lineup because you just did uh, it no, twice. No, no, no. When we see it on the field, <laughs> David Bell calls me up. I, you know, I know, I know. Thursday night, David Bell is going to call me. Yeah. Hey, Trent. I heard WARP in Cincinnati. Yeah. Just As I listen to every single sure. week. Yeah. He definitely does. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, if there's one thing I know about David Bell, it's his uh, un undying devotion to WARP in Cincinnati. Yep. There is no doubt. So yeah. So that's, that's my thought. What was yours? Well, it was pretty close. Uh, I, of course, I of course had Irvin in front of Shogo, uh, in that, in that scenario, taking advantage of his mashing off of, uh, left-handers a little bit more and getting off of that. I know it gets off the left, right, but that was really the biggest change. Um, I wasn't, you know, Castellanos, whether he was going to be DH or you'd have Phil Irvin in the field, I was sort of flip-flopping a little bit back forth on on those in, in that scenario. But the rest of it, um, I had I had Aquino in the mix more, um, potentially. Um, but, you know, if he's going to be more of an outside rotational piece, that certainly makes more sense um, to have Shogo in there every day if you're comfortable with him and get lefty on lefty. Yeah. Uh, I like what? You know what? And here's the thing, though. There's not a lot of you can go wrong with that lineup. Like, you know, to have to have depth options like we're just talking through guys that are good. The guys on the when you start looking at who's left on the bench on those days, um, you know, you, you you a right-handed reliever comes in and you're pulling Jesse Winker off the bench um, or Phil Irvin. In the, uh, and if you flip that um, and even a guy like Aquino, who, you know, if you need power, you need a home run late in the game. And you just and you trot out Aristides Aquino potentially, um, you know. Yeah. They, these are the the depth options that are going to be huge for every team this year, and more so than most years. Um, when you talk about the potential for injuries, outbreak, whatever it's going to be, and just you know to 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 win to win games, man, that's that's a big advantage. Yeah, definitely. Um, and also uh, the other thing with with Aquino, where I think. You know, I keep leaning towards him making this squad because of his speed as much as anything. Yeah. Uh, people don't give him enough credit for how fast he is. If you look at last year's sprint speed, he was the second fastest runner. Um, and so he can fly. Um, he is He's toolsy as all get out. So when you get into those extra inning games, you know, to have him either – be able to win it with one swing of the bat, whether it's his swing or somebody else's swing and him scoring from second. I, I think that's huge. And, um, and, and David Bell has talked about building the roster with that in mind. Uh, so the, the lineup has been made uh, before I, I go on though, you know, you're David Bell, you know, like this David Bell's in the dugout. You know what else is in the dugout? Dugout yeah, mugs. I, oh, oh, dugout mugs. The barrel of a baseball bat turned into a 12-ounce mug. Sound good? Sounds pretty good. It's licensed by Major League Baseball, your favorite team. It can be laser engraved into a birchwood baseball bat barrel mug. How about that? Friday. Five times fast. Hey, exactly. It's Friday, and opening day is finally happening. You should be celebrating. 
with a nice cold beverage inside of a Birchwood baseball bat barrel mug. Uh, it's a unique, unique gift for any baseball fan. So go to dugoutmugs.com slash theathletic and use the promo code MLB30 for 30% off your first purchase. Dugoutmugs.com slash theathletic and code MLB30. Fill that baseball void with your very own dugout mug today. Uh, so let's do this real quick. I want to talk about the central. Do you feel like much has changed over the course of this last three weeks? Um, obviously, you know Jordan Hicks. Um, maybe maybe the biggest news in the central. Uh, him opting out, um, or you know, it seems a lot of the same. It still feels like. Four teams and the Pirates, and it's going to come down to a game or two here or there. I mean, where the last week of the season, you're going to see all four teams probably pretty closely bunched. Yeah. Uh, it's just I, – I don't think anything's changed, basically. I, yeah. I still, you know, see four teams and all kind of around the same, and one team not as much, but, you know y- – y- 60 game season it's it's so cliche now um that it could be anything and yeah. I, I, I i can't even count out the pirates um so um but yeah yeah no nothing's changed still yeah. the same thing we've been talking about for seven months right months. yeah well and but now it gets now it will start to change once they start playing games and we have records behind next to teams names that'll be nice and yeah. you know what though i will say this um, we have talked a lot about the need for a fast start for this team, especially considering what they've been the last few years and the 60 game season, which by the way, it's a sprint, not a marathon. Um, and the opening with Detroit, like, Hey, so there's a, Oh <laughs> man, I can't, oh, sorry. I, I can't, I, that would, uh, yes. I, never mind. Oh, sorry. Hey, it's, it's good to open a team that it doesn't have super high expectations. Should we put it that way? Um, <laughs> it's a good way to open. And if you can open and really come out hot and start to, you know, I think there's going to be a real, I don't know. I think there's going to be real value in teams that start out fast. Cause it's an instant belief in a short season and an instant sense of momentum. And even if it's, you beat Detroit or whatever, uh, it, it, I just think, and that's part of the excitement of it. You know, I mean, that's part of the excitement of it. You get you, you opening day. What happens in opening day? We talk about it as like the most overrated game of the year, right? Uh, and it's this big celebration, this big deal, and then it ends, and you're like, yeah, they won, great. Really, what does it matter? Now you're like, okay, like these games matter, like it it matters. So it's kind of it's kind of cool to have the first game in the first weekend where it feels important and it doesn't feel like April. Right. No, definitely. It's I mean it's just huge. It's it's you know, like those first ten games, so that's four, six against the Tigers, four against the Cubs. Um, that's one sixth of the season. That's equal to twenty six and two thirds games during a regular season. Yeah. So that's a month, basically. That's a month of playing the of Tigers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and you're playing, you know, sixty percent of those games against the Tigers. That's that's a good April, is that first ten games. And that's kind of where I'm looking at it. You know, the next then you have seven games from there. So you have seventeen games the first seventeen days before your first off day. Yeah. And that's I mean, if you get off to a poor start, that can doom you. I mean, you have to at least be around 500 to me at that yeah. point. You would certainly feel like it dooms you if you played that play that many games against the Tigers and you and you got off to a poor start, um, considering those are some of the most winnable games on your schedule, as winnable as baseball gets, you know. I mean, still. Yeah. Caveat. Yeah, I mean, but still, you know, you're if you're talking about the tougher games on the schedule, it's not it. So, I mean, I, I think that puts even more importance, certainly, on the beginning part of this season. Um, which is really a great opportunity for me to talk about Manscaped, Trent. <laughs> what isn't a good What isn't? I mean, there's always – there's really no bad time uh, oh. because it has forever changed the grooming game 
with their perfect package 3.0. Uh, it's it's the best trimmer on the market for those of you in need of a chest shave. I don't know if anybody listening feels like they're in need of a chest shave. Uh, the third generation trimmer features skin safe technology to reduce manscaping accidents everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. Uh, you also find you got the Crop Reviver, which is a below the belt toner. It's designed to give you a pep in your step and smell great. You can get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code THEATHLETIC20. For a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, which is $39 value, and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. So go to manscaped.com today and use the code THEATHLETIC20. All right. Um... Reds play two exhibition games, uh, which depending on when you're listening to this, they may have already played one, uh, but Tuesday and Wednesday against the Tigers. Nick Lodolo uh, is starting to – I'm just just out of curiosity, the thought process behind starters in these games. Is there any relevance to it, or is it just kind of an uh, opportunity for Nick Lodolo to go out there and throw? It's more about what Trevor Bauer is doing. Trevor Bauer is scheduled to he's that's his it's his day to throw here on Tuesday. He's going to throw at one o'clock in um, in uh, at Prasco Park. This is a common thing in in um, uh, what's it called in uh, spring training. You know, that last week of spring training, guys will very often um, play in the on the backfield for their last start so that they can really, you know, with with in that situation you can do you got 12 pitches this inning or 16 pitches and it's just it doesn't matter the results you don't have to worry it's about getting the work in and not um facing batters so i i think that's that's what this is all about it's a really standard spring training thing and we have to kind of think of it that way that if this was the last two starts in the last time through the rotation in arizona um, that that's what would be happening. And so, of course, like Wade Miley will pitch tomorrow at Prasco as well. Um, and, and so Jose De Leon will start against the Tigers. Also, I mean, the Tigers have seen Trevor Bauer any a lot anyway. Um, Miley will pitch. Both those guys are scheduled to pitch against the Tigers um, in Detroit on July 31st. Bauer and Miley on the 1st of August. So... You know, that way only, let's see, well, Bauer is going to face them also the 26th. So one less shot at seeing Bauer and um, because he will face them twice. And who else will? That's it. Yeah, that's it. That's the way it kind of lines up. I just, I mean, Lodolo, what are the odds that we see him with the big club this year? I don't think they're bad. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet against it. I wouldn't bet for it. I keep going back, and I, I talked about this with Keith Law yesterday, about um, David Price. And when David Price came out, and he was drafted uh, first overall in 2007. 2008, Rays are in it, end of the season. He comes out, and he's throwing nails out of the end, uh, back of the bullpen. Um, left-hander, just saying, go, go let it eat. And... That's something that they could do with Nick Lodolo, especially if it comes in and nobody's seen him before, and he's got this big, crazy curveball um, that that is that is a plus plus pitch. Um, that could be a dangerous weapon there in in a short season and near the end of the season. And then you come in and say, "Hey, we'll look at you starting next year." You mentioned David Price and the Nick Lodolo comparison. The lefties are obvious, but I will bring up this name and that I think got a lot of attention of Reds fans this week, and that is Hunter Green, and that is him showing up here this week. Um, what are we to make of Hunter? You talk about a guy that could come in and go let it eat, uh, <laughs> potentially. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, a guy who, who has obviously renowned for the ability to throw the heat. Uh, what, what, what are we to make of his arrival in Cincinnati? I, you know, I'm not much. Um, I think, you know, there's a, the biggest difference between Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo is that Hunter Green is not yet 21. 
We've been hearing about him forever. He's still 20 until next. Uh, let's keep that. Let's not forget that. Whereas he's pitched in college. He has those years, those development years. David Price was a guy who pitched in college. He's a college pitcher. You're starting the clock. You, Nick, you know, Hunter Green is a guy who is coming off um, Tommy John surgery. He needs work um, to kind of get ramped up there. He has thrown 72 and two-thirds professional innings. That's not a guy you put on the roster, start his clock, having to start having to option him down um, through those years. I, I, I think this is straight development. Straight development. And um, yeah, for a college, it's it, the difference between a college guy and a high school draft pick are stark, especially one who was 17 when he was drafted, um, who didn't have a driver's license when he was drafted. Um, so we have to think that still can't yeah. legally drink. Right. Yeah, I, I, I'm just, you know, his arrival was noted. Um, they had to do something. You had to do something to work with him, right? I mean, you're, you, right. what are you going to do? I mean, it's important time for for him to develop to cover that ground, like you were talking about. So, you know, and so he's he, kind of been doing that. This is kind of the time where you would start activating him, and you know, it's 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 like 16, 15 months after post surgery. Um, so this is the time where he would start getting worked into games. That he's done the rehab, he's done this, he's done what he's needed to do there. Now you start you want them kind of under your thumb now, you know, for, for a while it's under the rehab guys. Now it's under the development guys. And, um, Eric Jagers is, is that guy that's going to be there and work with him. And I think that's, that's big. Took the question right out of my mouth. I was curious who, who we could put as in the responsibility, uh, category here with that. So that's, uh, something that will, you know, just another under the radar, uh, storyline that we'll, we'll track as everything gets going, but everything is getting going which is really what it's about this week. Opening day is finally here. Woo. Very exciting. Uh, Friday, 6-10, first pitch, Great American Ballpark. Trent, you'll be there. I will be. And it's, um, I'm, I'm, it's going to be so surreal, uh, but as is everything is these days. Um there are lots of events, events. I don't even, events is the wrong word. There are lots of businesses promoting their openness during this game down around the bank, which I'm very curious to see what that feels like. I had a, when I was hosting sports talk on Sunday on, on 700 and I, I asked people call me and tell me what, what are you doing on open? I'm curious what people are doing to celebrate where they're going. And some guy had a great idea that I like, and that was everybody that has a boat, should go park their boat outside of the stadium, put the game on the radio, and lay on the horns when something good happens. And I'm like, you know what? Get on, let's, let's, let's pile it up more. Get your cars down there, park around the stadium, lay on the horns when good things happen so they can hear you inside and know that you're there. Some semblance of, of socially distant cheering, if you will. Air horns, boat horns. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what everyone needs, but much louder. Uh that's what I'm saying. That's so I I think it would be pretty cool if people were just like docking their boats outside of Great American Ballpark and laying on horns when good things happen. For the get kids. something. Maybe they will. For the kids, you know. But uh it'll be interesting to see what what uh what what goes down and and what it looks like, but I'm just happy that we'll be watching baseball. Games uh of course on 700 uh on Fox Sports. Fox will have every game uh this year. Um, they are everybody. All the broadcasts happening from here. No road. They're not going to be on the road. They'll be it, the the broadcast going to be interesting because it's the home. The home network has to shoot it and shoot it neutral with broadcasters from different sides talking over the video. So typically, you would see what you would see. Okay, Tom is going to talk about Joey Votto's cleats some whatever well you can't do that because if you show you, you the other side doesn't know what is being shown or what's going on like they don't know you can't just show specific so it's going to make for really i think the broadcasts will be different for those watching on tv um to 
to see what a truly neutrally shot broadcast looks like. It's going to have a whole, it's going to be more just game action replays, less specific stuff, um, which is going to be kind of weird and take some adjusting to. But I kind of got into, did you watch any of the exhibition, uh, the Yankees met stuff this weekend? I got to tell you, they, I mean, it looked really good. Like it felt it it didn't feel weird at all. They they focused on up close shots. There wasn't like expanses of the crowds. Um, you know, you saw the cardboard cutouts and things like that. But it sounded normal. Like a lot of the background noise that we've heard when you, if you watch the Red Series and stuff has seemed just odd and kind of out of place. But it felt it made it all sound and feel very normal. Watching those games, it kind of made me optimistic about what they'll look like on television in particular once they get going. I've been surprised it how I haven't hated, is that the right word? How I haven't hated the piped in crowd noise. Um, you almost just kind of, it almost seeps in and, and you don't notice it as much. And it almost, almost feels natural. I'm sure nobody will have strong opinions on it once they start watching games with it though. Yes. You know, pe- people aren't really known I mean, to have. Yeah. Strong I think opinions it's, about things like that. but I'm one of those people that I can zone out like uh, most uh, announcers and people complain about announcers. And when I'm watching a game, I usually, for the most part, can zone them out. So um, may, maybe yeah. that's just a uh, superpower I have. Some people can fly. Um, some people are really fast. <laughs> I can zone stuff out that I don't want to hear. <laughs> I would say that is potentially far more valuable than flying although i'd love to fly no yeah. <laughs> uh all right trent i appreciate it uh, i look forward to when we're back next week uh we are talking about games you want to make sure if, if you want to uh you know read all of our coverage of everything we're going to have covering all the reds and, and all of baseball every single mark as we get started up 30-day trial still going on in the athletic um just come in give us a run this is a perfect time to do it because every sport is starting up and we've got all of them covered. NFL training camp next week, we're there. Uh, every single MLB team, we're there. NBA, we're in the bubble. Uh, you name it. Everybody that's uh, playing right now, we're going to be there and you can get it all insider, all under one uh, umbrella. So come in 30 days. If you like it, stick around. If not, we appreciate you checking us out. We hope we make it worth your while. Uh, otherwise, we look forward to talking to you next week. So when we have some games to discuss the results of. So we will talk to you then. Talk to you next time on WAOP in Cincinnati. Ooh.